Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. All right. Back here. Another episode of Bruce Strong. And this is going to be a uh, Q&A episode. That's right, Jamil. <laughs> Meaning uh, question and answer. And uh, what you can do if you want to uh, get a question in on the Q&A show, you can either uh, participate live in the show. You go to thebrewingnetwork.com, and there's a uh, listen live uh, and a chat now button, and you, you drop right into the chat. You can yeah. enter in a fake name. You don't need a password or anything like that. And uh, you go right in, and you can participate, uh, ask questions as the show happens, and uh, kind of participate, throw in your your wise comments and things like that. <laughs> or you can uh, email uh, brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com. Good idea if you just uh, you know throw Q and A at the beginning of whatever your your subject matter is, and yeah. and we'll uh, be able to flag it for Q and A shows much quicker that way. And uh, sorry, Palmer, I had your mic on mute. I'm sorry. And uh, oh, sorry. <clears throat> we can we can kind of go from there and answer those questions for you. I'll tell you another great guy at answering questions. Who's that? Is it me? No. Shit. <laughs> well, then I don't care. But it's a, it's our, our good buddy John Blickman. That's right. Uh, you know that guy is a wealth of knowledge about a lot of uh, subjects in, in in general, but also about brewing and equipment and engineering. Real knowledgeable guy, real nice guy. Lots of uh, very very helpful and very interested in um, in uh, innovating new products for the homebrew yeah. homebrew market. That's true. He's he's a gadget guy, just like us. You know, he's mm-hmm. thinking about uh, what would make this you know easier on us. You know, during the brew day and um, you know what can and what kind of product could make things better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, make the beer better. Um, Got an interesting email, in fact, uh, last week from a listener that uh, expressed, um, you know, he copied, basically copied Jamil and I on, uh, you know, thanking um, Blickman and Blickman Engineering for great customer support. Did you see that, Jamil? No, I didn't. Uh, He says here, um, he says, I'm continually impressed with John Blickman's customer service. I sent Blickman an email stating that I had purchased one of the Blickman burners and was missing some parts. I plainly stated that it was pr- probably my fault and that I could have misplaced them between the time I purchased it and the time I first tried to use it. Um, and so he said he emailed John just to get some part numbers from so he could purchase them from a master car. But John replied that day and said, I'm going to send them to you. Mm-hmm. So um, the guy... Uh, guy jason wyatt was uh very very pleased with his customer service from blickman engineering well that's that's the way uh john blickman rolls i mean he's you know yeah. uh he's got that uh midwest ethic about uh hard work and you know treating people right and, and doing the right thing and uh you know it really shows in you know customer service and you know all the happy customers that he has and um yeah he's, he cures uh, allergies way. too he just said that. Why would you say that? Way. And, uh, you know, and you, you'd be surprised at, uh, you know, the great great thing about him is, you know, he can answer a lot of questions about things, but he'll ask a lot of questions. I think the most the most brilliant guys out there you know, are the ones who ask a lot of questions and, um, 
you know they they're always constantly learning always constantly innovating and that's what you get with uh, blickman engineering so go check them out on the web blickmanengineering.com that's blickman with two n's b-l-i-c-h-m-a-n-n engineering.com and uh check out all the the cool stuff that they have they're always coming out with new stuff i wouldn't be surprised to see them in seattle at the uh the homebrewers conference and you know they're gonna have some, probably have something new there. I wouldn't wouldn't shock me. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know go check it out. Go up and find them. Just say hey, where's where's John Blickman? I want to want to say hi. He loves it. He loves to to meet you guys and uh, hear your stories about what you're brewing and and what you enjoy and uh, you know while you're there, thank him for uh, sponsoring the show so this show is possible for you. All righty. So Q and A. Let's uh, let's. Jump on one real quick, and then uh, maybe we'll take a quick break after that. All right. Uh, this says, Dear Handsome Men at Brew Strong. It really doesn't. I just no, so that must up. be for the Sunday <clears throat> show. I made that right. part up. Um, oh, I asked a question about fermenting under pressure in Pinlock cakes. I don't think JP got my point. Really? Thanks, jerk. Uh, I live in <laughs> Texas and deal, and I vaguely remember this question from last time. This is from Iconis. Uh, I live in Texas and deal with super high heat most of the year. For the first couple of years, nearly 100% of my beers have had too much fusel uh, ester production. To combat the high fermentation temps, I started experimenting with pressure fermenting. Uh-huh. As commercial breweries have large fermentation tanks, they have a certain amount of hydrostatic pressure uh-huh. on the yeast during the growth stage. Uh-huh. Um, my process is to push the yeast into the keg mm-hmm. and put my spunding valve on the gas output set about 5 to 7 PSI. Mm-hmm. After I get about 95% of the attenuation I'm expecting, I ramp the pressure up to whatever the carb volumes I would want for whatever temp the liquid is at, mm-hmm. essentially capping the taller fermenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the heart of my question. How much PSI is too much on the yeast during the growth and the following phases? I do pitch a healthy <laughs> amount of yeast. I oxygenate well. I also now have obtained a freezer and dual-stage temp controller. Um, Right. Yeah. I have a lot of comments on this. First off, I don't recall what the uh, pressure is that will kill yeast, but, you know, it is possible to actually sterilize something at room temperature if you use enough pressure. It essentially just kills all all those microorganisms. You get a high enough pressure, boom. I think... um, there was some French company that was working on designing room temperature sterilization for beer. Hmm. Um, so uh, just through extremely high pressure. So I'm not sure what it is, but uh, you know, the higher the pressure, the more damaging it is to the yeast. But you know, I'm a little concerned about his process of uh, using the pressure and then increasing the pressure towards the end to trap the CO2. I would worry that you're not perhaps getting enough vigor in the fermentation and enough blow-off in the fermentation, especially in a closed keg, um, Mm -hmm. to vent a lot of those uh, aromatic compounds that need to get blown off. Hydrogen sulfide, yeah. Yeah, especially uh, sulfurs. And I'm I'm thinking that esters are produced at the beginning of fermentation? Well, a lot of the... um, determination of what esters are going to be escape the cell later on or compounds that become esters later on are mm-hmm. determined by membrane health and all that up up front you know, the rate yeah. of growth um, <laughs> things like that um, but uh, you know pressure does reduce uh, ester production um, but when they do it um, on loggers high pressure loggers I think they're only talking about two or three psi. Um, really tall tanks, you know. Um, the, see, one of the things about um, f- these commercial brewers that are fermenting in these taller tanks, they are, but, you know, the vigor of the ferment and the, the rate of the blow-off is massive. So they yeah. still are getting that kind of exchange of uh, v- blowing off all those those other compounds. So I would, the scrubbing, yeah. Yeah, I would wonder about that. But other than that, I think that, you know, the, the process seems sound. Um, I'm not sure. You should be able to find the, the number of uh, uh, what pressure will kill the yeast. Um, 
I know I asked Chris White this I it was question. Like three, but that seems really low. No, I think that's low. Um, I asked him the question before, and I'm not sure what the answer was, or maybe he didn't have an answer for me at the time. Let's get him on the phone. Right. Uh, my issue with that is is uh, from the homebrew stuff that I've read from uh, George Fix mm-hmm. uh, way back when that fermenting in corny cakes it's not the proper shape, and you're going to get some some kind of funky off flavors going on. Well, the problem is I think you tend to end up with dead zones. Um, you don't get quite as rapid an exchange, and that's what we're talking about. You know, when when the commercial brewers... Word turnover, are, you mean? Yeah, when commercial brewers are brewing in these tall tanks, they have, um, you know, the cone bottoms. They tend to, you know, you get a nice uh, flow going, and it uh, tends to turn over the wort more effectively. If you end up with, you know, dead spots, and the the thing in the fixed books was uh, when they're using the Yorkshire squares or square fermenters, there were corners in there, and they actually, the diacetyl levels would be much higher because in those corners, it was sort of fermenting, but you really wouldn't get quite the exchange. You wouldn't get the vigorous fermentation in the corners of the square, and that's why the diacetyl levels were higher. So... Um, you know, that is something to concern yourself with. Again, I think you need, you know, more ensure enough vigor in yeah. your fermentation for that. If I was doing that, I would consider going to something like a Blickman uh, <coughs> uh, uh, conical fermenter where it has the, the lid and you can pressurize mm. it and things like that. That might be a better choice. Again, yeah. because of the cone bottom. I think, Sealing that uh, up, or, you know, with a... Right. Relief valve. Right. And that's one other thing is one of the reasons that um, commercial brewers, you know, and home brewers are like, oh, you know, secondary and all that. And we're like, no, 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 you don't need to do secondary. Secondary is not needed, not needed. Well, if you're going to be holding the yeast under these pressures, uh, the yeast will die quicker. And you do need to worry about, um, you know, the yeast dying and producing off flavors that way. So one of the things about those cones is you know you can drop out some of the yeast and and that helps as well so yeah i'd be i'd be a little concerned about you know increasing the pressure to capture co2 without getting rid of the yeast so if he's transferring from like one corny keg to another then that might be okay and leaving the yeast behind but if he's leaving all the yeast in there um i think that that could be a concern i just wouldn't even ferment in a keg Right, so Not it's the right you know, design, man. there's lots of well, and the biggest problem for me on those is you know getting them a hundred percent clean because there's so many little nooks and crannies in those kegs yeah. that uh, that that would concern me as well. Mm-hmm. But didn't he say that he was going to look into getting a, uh, a temperature controller and so on? I mean, if you know, right. if he can if he can correct his temperature from the get go, mm-hmm. then then the whole pressure situation just goes out the window. Right. Then I wouldn't do the pressure thing. Yeah. I mean, you can go ahead and, you know, trap it for CO2 and all that, but even then, I don't know. Big deal. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I think you tend to trap a little bit of those compounds that can get blown off there towards the end, and, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I like to do that. You know, yeah. a lot of times you know, these techniques are used in commercial breweries because they save you know five dollars worth of co2 per batch you know out of you know the forty thousand dollar batch of beer they say five bucks and it's like okay yeah it's five bucks and it's five bucks bottom line a hundred times a week uh it's 500 bucks you know and then it's you know thousands a month and you know over the course of a year it really adds up so that's why they do a lot of these things and they're it's not necessarily to make better beer it's because it's a little cheaper way to do things yeah. when the beer quality if you do it right it you know maintains the same so yeah i don't know sometimes as home brewers we don't want to hear that sometimes commercial breweries will sacrifice for the bottom line oh absolutely no one wants yeah. to hear that it's right. big. craft beers are very glorified in that <laughs> right. regard but that's yeah. i mean every you know you got to make a choice yeah. of, it's like oh you know <laughs> You gotta you gotta make as much beer out of that in that freaking tank as you can, and yeah. you know whatever it takes to get that done. That's the only way you can be profitable. The margins are so slim that it's yeah. hard to be profitable. We're making all your labels look the same. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. All righty. Uh, let's take a short break, and when we come back, more of your questions after this. 
When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe, and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it, with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. A heretic is anyone who does not conform to an established attitude, doctrine, or principle. If you love craft beer, you're already a heretic. The very first thing we did when we started looking at the beers that we would brew, we got rid of all those recipes. We started from scratch. We've been pilot brewing the most creative things that we think of and the most interesting things. We've completely gone away from style. Heretic Brewing Company is opening this spring in Pittsburgh, California, and you can be a part of it. Visit hereticbrewing.com and facebook.com slash hereticbrew. Get the latest updates on the brewery and upcoming beers. Show everyone how you celebrate great beer as a heretic. It's a fairly powerful word. Being a heretic, that means you're not settling for ordinary beer. You are going with flavorful, creative, bold, interesting beers. A heretic is looking for the best beers out there. Be a heretic. Don't drink ordinary beer. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. Woo! Big technicals. That's what we're all about. <laughs> Got a freak JP out. Went to get a beer, and <laughs> when that music starts, I'm, I, 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 I just expect everyone to be in here, not because I'm a control ass, but like, because then I'm going. Yeah, I what don't am know. I gonna say? Right, I don't, what am I gonna say? I just want to be good for my boss, so he gives me my five bucks. 
You know what I mean? You work harder for five bucks than anybody I know, JP. <laughs> it's, uh, it, yeah, it freaks me out a little bit. And then, you know, we had, of course, we had 22 seconds left. So it wasn't like a big deal. And you came in and everything was fine. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's a lesson I have to learn in life. <laughs> and, oh, you know what Jamil was doing, fine. by the way? Uh, he was getting himself a beer. Yes. I'm uh, thirsty. My, so was I. My can of Bitter American is empty. Oh, well. I, I selected a Back in Black, mm. the uh, 2-1-A mm. uh, brewery. Mm. Yeah. That sounds American good. American IPA brewed with rich dark malts, black IPA, 6.8% alcohol by volume, 65 IBU. Mm. In the can. Was that our first break? That was our first break. You know how I like it in the can. Was that our first break? That was our second? first break. Wow. I don't know. All right. Yeah, that first question was a long one. Speaking yeah. of... Uh, first questions. Great... Long ones. ...black beers. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Jamil. I recently bought your Evil Twin kit from Northern Brewer, and hey. I love it. Right. This is from Ken, by the way. Who can? I was on your Heretic site and saw the Shallow Grave Porter. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if there's an extract out, uh, re- extract recipe out there for this. I live in Michigan, and until you start distributing in my state, I will never get to try it. He's very negative Nancy. Uh, I listen to all your shows from the, from the Brewers Network, from the Brewers Network, on my way to work. And I have learned so much from you and your friends. Thanks for, all, thanks for sharing all your knowledge, and Bruce Strong, Ken Z. Ken Z. Well, Ken Z. Um... Uh, Northern Brewer will have a shallow grave kit here. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. So, I don't know if they've got it ready yet. Um, They're going to have a kit of shallow grave, evil cousin, evil twin, uh, pretty much all those. Everything. Yes. Nice work. Although the evil twin is the homebrew version, not the commercial (laughs) version, which... We do kind of different because of the restrictions on commercial process as far as, you know, yeah. I can't put a big copper coil in the 40-barrel brew kettle. <laughs> it happens. I'm in, uh, I'm in talks yeah. with a brewery for um, Can You Brew It? And they had sent me links to, they have a kid at Northern Brewer. Mm-hmm. And they sent me links to the homebrew recipe. And I was like, well, I explained to them that we enjoy getting the recipe from the brewer because it, it is a different process, even though the recipe might be very similar. Um, it, it is, it's very different. So. Absolutely. There you go. Look at that. Um, you guys want to jump right into another another question? Yep. This is from Dave in uh, Hicksville, Ohio. Hicksville. It's oh, an unfortunate wow. name. I mean, I guess they just kind of, when they named the town, they're like, this is really, this is the bar. It's real <laughs> yeah. bar. Uh, <coughs> JC. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Palmer. I was going to say it wasn't named after Randolph Hicks, the uh, uh, railroad tycoon. I don't know, but I don't <laughs> Probab- like you for probably. even knowing that that might be a possibility because you're just like smart. You probably just uh, made the whole thing up. You're like Cliff Clavin. Yeah, that's one thing you need to know about my friend John Palmer. You <laughs> <laughs> would put Cliff Clavin to shame. You just come smart up with bullshit every once name. in a while. Yes. Uh, Jay-Z and JP, I'm assuming he means John Palmer. Yeah, whenever you guys hear the reference JP, they're not talking about John Palmer, they're talking about me. Right. Um, I get emails and Facebook posts all, all the time. time. Yeah, hey, I love like your JP. book. And I go, I haven't written it yet. And they go, what do you mean? And I go, this is Jason Petros. And they're like, oh. There's only one JP, and that's you. Right. And everybody else goes by their names <laughs> in, in my world. Right. You know, yeah, Jay Z and Rock Candy. Let's change that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was reading about pre-prohibition breweries in my area and came across Halm Brewery in Bryan, Ohio. The literature stated that one of the brewery's secrets was that it used egg whites to clarify the beer and gain head retention. Will you please make sense of this? I appreciate all you've done for the home brewing community, and I've become a much better brewer since listening to the show. Thanks, Dave. Protein, hmm. protein tannin uh, complexes. So you yep. throw in the protein, and it binds with the tannins that uh, pulls them out and forms more clumps. You know, clumps, clumps, more more break material. And if you remove more tannins from the from the beer, you're not going to get as much haze later on. Mm-hmm. You know, those protein tannin complexes. Yeah, hey, it's a lot like, right. like adding uh, Irish moss or you know carrageenan mm-hmm. uh, type protein to uh, to the beer. Uh, egg white would probably behave similarly. Mm-hmm. But similarly, I, 
Irish moss is definitely a lot easier to get. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah that's true. Um, okay, this is from Nick in Ohio. He says, after listening to the Bruce Strong podcast, I'm now going through them one by one, taking notes. Thank you for the great resource. One thing I have noticed in the shows is that often the Bruce Strong crew and the guests refer to, quote, dialing in your process. As a new brewer, uh, less than 10 batches, I'm wondering exactly what that means. I jump straight into all grain without doing extract first. So what kinds of things do I need to look at while I'm brewing to have it dialed in? I've measured things like evaporation rate, mash, conversion, efficiency, etc. I've not tried different grain crushers on my mill, but I'm assuming that may be part of it. I have temperature-controlled fermentation as well as good sanitization. I also take measurement throughout the brew day. I don't concern myself too much with hitting my numbers exactly as long as I'm close and know there's not a problem. What would you recommend? Anyway, thanks for the great resource. You guys are great. Peace, Nick. He's a peace, Nick. Hmm. Well, it sounds like he is dialing his process if he's right. paying attention to these various variables. Yeah, it sounds mm-hmm. great. I mean, is, is there anything else that he can do? Or I mean, he says he doesn't concern himself with hitting numbers, but that's part uh, of dialing a product. That's the point right. of dialing it. That's the I, end result, right? I think you know when I when I talk about dialing in your process, I talk about you know what I what I intend to mean is repeatability. Right, so you're you've got your process down. So every time you brew, you can you could brew the same beer, identical beer, multiple times, because you have control over all these bits of your process. You've got them dialed in to where it's repeatable every time. You get the same result, and then once you've got your process down like that and it's repeatable, you can go ahead and make slight adjustments to get the beer you want and that's where you're dialing it in where you make a you know this setting instead of a six needs to be a seven right so you're adjusting the dials of your process to you know improve the beer but in order to do that you need repeatability you need to be able to do the same thing time and time again right and that's the reason you're taking numbers right and keeping notes on what you did last time in terms of recipe timing, temperature, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what the actual number is, people get hung up on, like, mash temperature, and they're freaking out because instead of 154 is 153, and it's like, who cares? You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. As long as it's 153 every time, or 154 every time, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what the actual real temperature is. <laughs> you know? It doesn't, doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's just, can you do that same thing time and time again? If you can, then... There you go. Now, now you got something. Now you got something you can work with. If it's one fifty one time and one sixty another time and one fifty five the, the third time without you know any sort of control, then you're going to have a hard time getting your process dialed in. Basically, if you can if you can screw up the same way every time, then you're you're fine. You're fine. Exactly. That's you're better. Yeah. That's beer. that's your process. Uh, this <clears throat> comes from Tom in Motueka, New Zealand. Uh, he's having problems getting the royal boiling, the rolling boiling movement that he's heard you guys talk about. He says, I've taken temperature readings of the wort throughout the boil, and it seems that I'm getting easily in excess of boiling point, about 106 to 108 centigrade. Uh, but I'm still not seeing the rolling action. When I add the hops, the wort kicks up, bubbles and splashes in a good boil for a few minutes, but then the action dies down again and it all looks fairly calm. Also, if I use a paddle to create a whirlpool in the wort during the boil... It seems to suck a bit of air in, and again, it starts to kick and bubble, but only for about a minute or two before it dies down. Could the issue, ah, I see. Could the imp, uh, issue simply be the high sugar content of the wort, which might be raising the boiling temperature to a point beyond the reach of my system? Or could it be something to do with the height-to-diameter ratio of the boiling keg affecting the pressure of the liquid at the bottom? I've never had a problem getting full bitterness extraction from the hops, and to my knowledge, I've, I've got no problems with DMS. It just bothers me that I'm not seeing the rolling boil that I've heard I should be getting. Um, well. Should, uh, he goes, uh, let me know if you think it's a problem, uh, that it's not a vigorous boil, or should he leave well enough alone since uh, seeing as the beers come out okay? Kind of what we were just talking about. Right. So if, um, if you're not getting any boiling action at all, then that's a problem. But I'm just wondering if he's looking at it and saying, well, that's not like leaping all over the place it's you know yeah. Yeah. you should be getting bubbles rising to the surface and if you look at it closely you'll see those bubbles form a little kind of a mound when they come up and there then, should be some texture to the surface yeah. it's not flat right it's 
Yeah. yeah. There's high and low points. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, there's movement across the surface, you know, the foam's right. moving, um, well, when we're yeah. talking about you know a, a rolling of the surface, again the, the bubbles come up and they form kind of a little mound. And that mound, uh, when it raises up, the the wort that is there at the top it flows back down the sides. So it helps you to get those exchanges of of wort to the surface where you can off gas those uh, precursors of DMS and things like that. That's why it's important to. Uh, get an appropriate boil. It doesn't have to be violent and leaping out of the kettle. It just needs to be agitating the surface and you bubbles rising to the top. Now, if you're not yeah. getting that, it would have to be a really high sugar concentration. And also, if you're getting to 106 or 108 C, oh, yeah, that's, a, that's a really hot temperature. I would question the calibration of the thermometer yeah. in, in that case. That doesn't seem quite right. Yeah, even and, at, even at one point one, you should the boiling point at sea level should be only like a one hundred two C. Yeah, so one hundred six, one hundred eight doesn't sound right. Well, unless he's in like high in the mountains, like uh, you know, even, well, then you'd get a lower, lower temperature. Oh, would you? Yeah. Maybe he's yeah. underground. You have to get pressure in yeah. order to boil that high. Now, the ratio of the kettle can can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Again, it would have to be pretty deep. And uh, pretty tall in order to get to that temperature. So make sure you're using a properly calibrated thermometer and try that again. And then, um, you know, if you're getting any sort of you know boiling movement, then that that should be okay. Um, yeah, I think Jamil, when you and I talk about a rolling boil, we're trying to differentiate between uh, a simmer mm-hmm. and a boil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a simmer right. is simply where you see little bubbles break Tiny the bubbles surface. And the surface and remains it's, it's flat. flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So we're we're talking about seeing you know texture like you say. Yeah, it's, it's a good way yeah. to describe it. Movement. I did a video from Morbier way back when, uh, of a rolling boil and I put it up somewhere, I don't know where it is, but uh maybe one maybe so it was a boil that was moving around on your butt or Yeah, well, I was falling into it. Oh. Uh maybe maybe that's what you should do, Palmer or uh, you know, whatever. Take a shoot yeah, a little video and say this is what it is. Okay. Clarify it. Okay. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't really care. I, I do care. Um, no, it's a good good point. No, and um you I'm know, just, actually I'm just being weird filling time while I read this this next email. I'm sorry. <laughs> um this is from McGruffis, good buddy McGruffis, who wants everyone to know that he does have an Android phone, and he's on the T-Mobile network, which is America's first nationwide 4G network. Um, I use a cartridge filter to prepare all my brewing water, but I've always wondered if the speed with which I filter has an effect on the filter's ability to remove chlorine and chloramine. I've mm-hmm. always assumed slower is better, but mm-hmm. am I just wasting time? No, the longer the contact time, the better. And in certain filters, they actually have more surface area. You know, different types of materials, they'll use like coconut uh, carbon. Really? has a much better surface area, and mm. that's much more effective at, at removing those. So um, usually the filters have a stated uh, flow rate at which they essentially guarantee a certain level of removal of compounds. And so you want to check that for the filter you're using, and then you can go up to that. Generally, most of the homebrew size ones are like a gallon a, a minute type of thing, yeah. no more than that. I I brewed the other day, and I had my water filter out there and whatever, and uh, totally didn't turn off the hose. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Left two, it running. <laughs> two days later, I'm doing laundry, and I hear the water running. I'm like... <laughs> What the fuck is that? And I just opened the door, and, there, and it was it was going kind of slow, but it was a nice still swimming going. pool in the back here. Uh, no, the neighbors did though. <laughs> oh man, great! All right, let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, more of your questions after this. 
What does craft beer mean to you? Is it a delicious way to support your town's local brewer? Or perhaps it's the perfect beverage to pair with those delicious devils on horseback. Regardless of whether you're thinking of pints or pairings, pilsners or porters, craftbeer.com is the site where craft beer lovers come together to learn and share. Craftbeer.com is brought to you by the Brewers Association and celebrates the best of American craft beer and its brewers. Craftbeer.com is the best place to find craft beer events, recipes, great feature stories, the most up-to-date brewery listings, and resources for your next beer tasting or dinner, like style guidelines, pairing mats, and charts. Get the inside scoop on new beer releases and special events from today's craft beer insiders, and chime in to share your own knowledge, perfect pairings, road trips, recipes, and more. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now, it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Live Q&A show. And I'll tell you, if you have questions about uh, becoming a BJCP judge, you can check the BJCP.org website. But a great way, one of the most common questions that I get from people is, you know, how do I learn all this stuff? How do I, you know, prepare myself for the test? One of the better ways to go is uh, the better beer scores. I think it's a really interesting, fun, new way that you can learn about all the stuff in craft beer and brewing to... um, prepare you to to pass the BJCP, the Beer Judge Certification Program exam. They guarantee your success. Um, if you don't pass with at least 60% or better, you can retake the course free of charge. They guarantee your satisfaction. If you don't like the course, by the end of the second session, you'll get refunded. And I say by the second session, these are not canned you know, bits of information that you just sit there dumbly and and just, you know, try and absorb. It's actually a guided seminar on the web. It's live. It's interactive. You can talk and chat with them and uh, ask questions, and there's other people there that you can uh, participate with. They limit the group size to 24 people, so uh, you have a chance to... uh, Ask your questions, and you also have other people there to 
you know, uh, ask questions that you may not think of. That's a you know important part of uh, the learning process. So it's pretty cool. I would go and check it out if you're interested in becoming a BJCP judge. You know, when I took the BJCP exam and studied for that, it taught me a lot about beer and understanding beer and appreciating beer and made me a better brewer. So I highly recommend it for for anybody interested in improving their 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 brewing knowledge. I agree. Go check them out, uh, www.beerjudgeeducation.com, or you can find them on Facebook, uh, Better Beer Scores. So check it out. All right. All right. Um, back to the questions from our buddy Secret Lab in the chat. And as always, if you're in the chat, your questions come first. Uh, Secret Lab is a question about whether mash thickness really makes a big difference in wort fermentability. I've started messing around with ratios between 1.25 to 1.5 quarts per gallon and haven't noticed a big difference. And he says, also, it doesn't taste to use one water uh, volume for everything. I don't know that. Well, yeah, but he has other... He uses one volume of water. Yeah. The ratio changes. He isn't using the same ratio. I always use the same ratio. It's 1.1 quarts. Right, I use the same ratio. Because that's what I was taught at. Right, I use 1.3, but Tasty just prepares a certain volume of water, and that's what he uses, and it doesn't matter, um, you know, what how much grain there is. So he's using a variable ratio, and um, our uh, our friend uh, Kai... Uh, he did a he did a yeah he did a uh, I think an experiment on this uh, fermentability at different mash temps I think it's on his site uh, you might you know Google at beerkaiser.com uh, beerkaiser.com and um, and it's and it's what we've known it makes a difference but it's minor so yeah. people have always you know freaked out about this and we're like well. You know, you can just change the temperature by a degree or two and get more of an effect. So, you know, it's really not that important. There's other factors involved in that. And, um, you know, conversion rates and temperature loss and volume of your kettle. And the the, the point to take away, I think, is that uh, don't worry about that volume and or that ratio. Just, you know, you can you can adjust it down. Uh, to fit with whatever type of beer you're doing, and you know, if you want to change it for for a different type of beer, um, you know, if you're really trying to eke out the most uh, fermentability or the, the or the least fermentability, um, yeah. you can change that and, and use that as one more tool in your arsenal. If you're if you're at 160 Fahrenheit and you still want a more dexterous wort, you know, maybe you go down to um, you know. Uh, a quart per pound or less, and you know, try and uh, you know, hedge it that way. Yeah. So, uh, but be consistent. I'm sorry, I'm accidentally turning your mic off. One of the most, yeah, be consistent in turning my mic off. I That's you um, off. you know, one of the uh, uh, most important things I think. Uh, Fierce beard in the chat um, has a, a pretty neat question, actually. I'm about to move into a 150-square-foot efficiency apartment. There's no yard, and the kitchen is communal and down the hall. And you're you're out a, allowed a, an hour of yard time a day? <laughs> yeah, basically. I get conjugals every Thursday. My wife will sneak in a vial of yeast. Um, no, he, yeah, he wants to know how to ruin the toilet? Yeah. He did put efficiency in quotes. It's pretty good. Uh, I'm about to move into a 150-square-foot efficiency apartment. There's no yard, and the kitchen is communal and down the hall. I want to brew one-gallon batches in my room on a hot plate, uh-huh. but I don't have any idea how to measure out the proper amount of yeast. I like that that's his concern. I love that. <laughs> right? Not anything else, not cleanup, not not smell for everybody else, but how to do it right. It's good. Right. I well, like if you're using, um, you know, like a, a White Labs or a Y-East pack, then, um, you know, you can assume that's about 100 to 110 billion cells in, right. in those packages. And um, if you use the pitching rate calculator on MrMalty.com, it's free. And, you know, kind of give you an idea of how much uh, yeast you need for a given batch of beer. You can set a batch size of a gallon there, 
and it'll tell you how much yeast. And then just look at the number of cells needed. And if it's over, if it's under, you know, 100 billion, just divide. If it says 50 billion, then you can get a, a, a propagator pack from Y-Yeast, which is, you know, I think 35 to 50 billion cells. And that might be just about right. You can just mm-hmm. pitch that direct. Yeah. And uh, give that a try. Yeah, 100 billion cells is supposed to be uh, not perfect, but, you know, uh, on target for a five-gallon batch of 1040. So if he's doing a one-gallon batch of 1040, you could kind of of divide that that 100 billion by five and figure 20 billion cells. But if you pitched one vial of of White Labs into Mm -hmm. a a gallon batch, it's not – I mean, is that too – Excuse me, would that be overpitching? It's yeah, it's getting to the problematic yeah. range. Hmm. But if you're doing something like a ten sixty or ten seventy wort, I think you're fine. Yeah, you can you yeah. toss in the whole vial. I think you'd well, be you okay. Just shake it up and put in three fours. I mean you're gonna spend that money anyways, right? Right. right. So, so I, I think you'd be okay. Yeah. Um if you were brewing like two days in a row, you know, shake it up, pour half in yeah, uh, you know, recap it, put it back in the fridge, and then the next day, or you know, later on that same day, if you're brewing two batches, then pitch that in the second one. Yeah. You make a couple of different beers, uh, but uh, you know, over pitching is less of a problem than under pitching. So, you know, I right. had air on the side of being a little heavy. If because I guess his question is, how do I measure, you know, how much yeast? And that would be one way to do it. Um, the other way, if you can do it in a nice sterile way. <laughs> Um, and you really want to know exactly how much to use, the best way to measure any liquid is by weight. So, you know, you could weigh out, uh, you know, the amount of uh, liquid from the Y-East pack or from the White Labs vial, see how much you got, and divide that in half or whatever amount, and that would be, you know, more precision. But I think you can eyeball it and just go a little towards the heavy side, and you'll be fine. Uh, here's one that's right up uh, your guys' alley, and you'll excuse the pun. This is from Dave, who has a Verizon Wireless BlackBerry. Hi, Jamil and John. <laughs> I love that. The, anyway. Uh, my brewing partner has recently been complaining that our milk stout gives him the farts like no other. He searched online and found that it can be from leftover dextrins. The beer finishes at 1023 and has two pounds of lactose sugar in it, so it does ferment out completely. Uh, he also claims that he gets the same thing if he drinks a lot of PBR. My d- good man. That's America. Uh, my dad says he gets the farts if he drinks a lot of different beers or a lot of Hefeweizens. My question is, what's your experience with homebrew and craft beer and excessive farting? What causes it? Are we doing something wrong in our process that is causing this? Is this something we can control? Well, yeah, you clench. Uh, thanks so much. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Dave from his Verizon Wireless BlackBerry. <laughs> Well, I think that excessive. If you're an excessive farter, you're an excessive farter. That's just it's. You, it, it has nothing to do with the beer, you know. Yeah, something to do with your in, intestinal. Well, I mean, you could you know, be flora and fauna. Well, like more yogurt could be you know alcohol related. Maybe you have a, a weird intolerance to barley. You could right. be slightly well, celiac. Right, or they could be, you know, lactose intolerant. Because if you're talking to milk stout, <laughs> right. lactose well, is essentially what you know. Yeah. Well, he also does it with PBR too. Right. So, so that doesn't mean anything. I think, right. There's there's no yeast in a PBR. Right. right? It's you know he might be he might gluten. have a touch of the celiac. Yeah, he yeah. might be allergic to gluten a little bit. Right. But yeah, if then you know eat a, eat a piece of eat a piece of bread, and if you start farting from a piece of bread, then yeah, you got like a yeah. gluten problem. Yeah, but um, if it's homebrew, then it may be just be yeast. I mean, if yeah. he's swallowing yeast, right. that'll do it. But if it's PBR, then it's like, well, there's no yeast in PBR. No, it's dextrins there. Right. So I, I don't, I don't see how that could be it. Um, I think you know people like to attribute something to something else, and there's just no cause and effect that could be measured. It's just, oh, that's what's happening. You know, that's what they just think. So I don't know. I think. Uh, you know, take a Beano and then drink your beer and see if that helps. Uh, this one is from Tater Tot in the chat room. Uh, Tater Tot says, I've been thinking about getting a used bourbon barrel. My plan is to brew enough old ale to fill the barrel and let it age for a year. 
Each year, I would take a specific amount of beer off of it and brew and ferment enough to fill the barrel back up again. A modified Solara system. Mm-hmm. Is there any issues uh, I might have with this? Any suggestions? Pretty open-ended. I mean, that could be a 10 to yeah. 15-minute conversation, right? Yeah, you know, you just need to be careful if you're going <laughs> to store something in a barrel for a long period of time. You're going to, there's going to be evaporation that happens. You need to keep topping that barrel off um, on a regular basis, like every week, uh, depending on the humidity and temperature. Yeah. Um, so you're going to need to set aside, you know, at least a five gallon keg, if not more, just for topping up uh, in between. And then, you know, the, th- the thing's oxidizing that whole time. So unless you have. You know, something else going on, you're going to get a lot of those oxidative characters over the period of, you know, a yeah. year or something. And if you're only pulling off five gallons a year or something like that, you're getting a lot of character right. after a while. You need to do it more frequently than that, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just depends on, on how big the barrel is and eh, how much character you want. You know, give it a try. Let Let experience be your guide on that, but just keep those things in mind. Uh, you real may quick, need to change the frequency. Uh, real quick follow-up question from Who Ate All the Pies, our good buddy. Uh, when you do top up the barrel, do you top up with fermented carbonated beer? Uh, fermented beer, not carbonated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it just foams all over the place. Yeah. It'll uncarbonate anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but fermented beer. And I, I guess, you know, if you have active yeast in there, you could top it up like on a sour beer or something like that. You could add just wort to it and let it keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, but... On what the other guy was saying, it sounded like um, I would use a fermented out beer. You know, the, the Heretic, where you just transfer a certain, we fill the barrels and then we transfer the rest of the beer to stainless kegs. And then we, when each week we go and we check every keg, every barrel, we top it up with off of one of those kegs that are not pressurized. And if they do become pressurized, then that ends up in foaming. All right. Let's take a short break, and uh, we'll wrap up with a couple more questions when we come back after this. When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust. The top-tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal. Configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future. Your brewing stand should adapt with you, not force you to learn a new process. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com today to configure your top-tier brewing stand and to find a local Blickman retailer. You'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price. Start brewing with Blickman from the top tier. In a world where everything has been lost. What happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. Uh, I need a drink. Oh no, the liquor store has been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? <laughs> Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. <gasps> oh, 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 it can't be done. Come with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you $7.99 Brew Saver Shipping, massive selection, and superior customer service comes...
Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, Cretans. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has homebrewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. Uh. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. And uh, speaking of backs. Yeah, fellas, gals, you're looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com. For a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. When you select your one item at 50% off, you also will receive three free adult DVDs. And you'll get a free extra gift uh, along with that. So... You just uh, you type in the offer code J-A-M-I-L, and you're going to get 50% off an item. And buying that one item at 50% off, they're going to throw in the three DVDs. They're going to throw in the extra gift, and they're going to throw in free shipping. So for one small purchase, you get a bunch of stuff. And the idea is you get to check out one of our great sponsors and uh, their fine customer service and wide selection of products. AdamandEve.com. Go check it out. Just use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L. At adamandeve.com, you get all that stuff for free. It's a really good deal, so go check it out. All right. Uh, I think we've got time for one more question. Uh, all right. Let's go to let's go to the email. We can save some of the chat, guys, for later, uh, even though I lied. Yeah, if you're listening live, yeah. uh, we'll be doing another Q&A show right after this, so stay, sure. stay tuned. This is a good question. Um, this is from Justin. He says, hey, guys, I'm a relatively new home brewer, and I'm brewing extract Justin kits Crosley? from Northern yeah. Brewer. He's uh, been brewing for a long time, I thought. Well, you know, he's relatively new still. Mm-hmm. Think about it. He's probably only made like four batches. Right. And only three people have ever tried them. Uh, I'm brewing pretty good beer, in my opinion, but I've had trouble hitting the original gravity that is printed on the kit box. This is from Northern Brewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a feeling it might have something to do with me recently upgrading to a full wort boil. Mm-hmm. I'm brewing five-gallon batches in an eight-gallon aluminum pot, and I've been trying to figure out how much water to start with. Mm-hmm. For example, I just brewed Northern Brewer's English Pale Ale kit, and they show an OG of 1056. Mm-hmm. I have seven gallons in my pot, ended up with a little more than five gallons after the boil, mm-hmm. but my OG was 1042. Do you have any suggestions as to how I can achieve the proper number? I appreciate any help you can give. I'm a big fan of yours and everyone over at the BN. That must mean me also. Right? Yeah, I would think it would. Yeah. So uh, he's having problems hitting his numbers. What does, he, what does he have to start with? I imagine he has to figure out his evaporation rate, right? Right. You know, if, if you target the, you know, the, the way those kits are done... Uh, they have a, a, a finishing gravity or finishing volume in mind. And usually, for a lot of the kids, it's five gallons at the end of the boil, right? 
Right. Right. So if you're over five gallons and you're you're a little too high, you're diluting the the amount of uh, you know extract that's in there, or sugar that's in there, and so you're getting a lower starting gravity. You can boil a little bit longer, or uh, you know start with a little bit less water. So you end up at at the five gallon mark, and that should correct it for you. The other possibility is the steaming grains. If you are not, um, you know, fully rinsing those grains and getting everything out of them, that could be another potential issue. Or yeah, a couple points there. I mean, even just getting all the extract out of the out of the container, can, right? Yeah, yeah. That's if you're not, uh, you know, put some hot liquid in there, hot water in there, swirl it around, dump that back out. That can make a difference as well. Anything else you you can think of, JP? That uh, people uh, common mistakes. I'm assuming you're talking to me and not Joe yeah. Palmer. I am. Because <laughs> I'll you, let John Palmer you, go. You worked for a long time with a lot of people. I did, That's true. and you know, really, the only thing I, I would say is check your. You know, when you say a little more than five gallons, what does that necessarily mean? Right. Um, you see it uh, an inch above the the five gallon mark on your kettle. Um, right. It could that, be five and a half gallons. Yeah, it that, could almost be that six. That mark could be wrong, too. You never know. Yeah, and, so check that, uh, because if you if you start with seven gallons in the first place, mm-hmm. and you boil off two gallons, mm-hmm. a gallon and a half, and you ha- you're only at 1042, yeah, that's, that, that, I don't, that math right. doesn't add up. So Also check how you're measuring uh, your gravity and make sure that's correct. And But most of the time, breath. when people um, complain about not hitting their gravities at any point in the process, it's because they've fail to correctly measure the volume that they have. Right. And they think, well, yeah, that's close enough. That's five gallons. It's like, well, it makes a huge difference. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, water is, uh, you know, uh, quite effective at uh, uh, diluting your, your sugars. Palmer, what do you start out with when you, because you've done quite a, uh, quite a bit of extract, right? Yeah. Um, I usually, I usually, for an extract boil, I'm usually using like uh, six to six and a half gallons. Um, not all the way up to seven often. Um, cause I found I get, you know, I get less, less troop than, uh, with an all grain. But, uh, yeah, I mean, ratio it out, you know, it, it's simple math. So, you know, if it's supposed to be 1060 at five gallons, that's five times six, that's, you know, 300 points. And if you, uh, if you divide by you know another volume, let's say six gallons, that works out to a ten fifty. Um, so uh, you know, check when you, when you initially dilute the extract and and start the boil. If you know what that volume is and you measure the the uh, the gravity, then then you should be able to calculate you know how much you boil off you know for any any final gravity or any and end of boil gravity. So yeah, uh, check it as you go. He may be diluting more than he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I usually start out with six gallons whenever I do, or six and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he could just have a giant vigorous boil. A couple people in the chat have said uh, he might have a hydrometer reading error. Like if he doesn't right. have a correctable hydrometer, right. he may not be reading at sixty degrees, which is really sixty what degrees. Also, you know, the paper inside those hydrometers. People, I see people dropping them into the hydrometer jars and it yeah. goes dink against the bottom every time you do that and that little uh. piece of paper shifts just ever so slightly <laughs> oh my and god it doesn't it doesn't take much to uh to make that thing uh read lower and lower every time so you want every once in a while uh you know check your hydrometer in uh just regular old tap water at the proper temperature and it should it should read uh, should right right at zero solid. So you know that's that's another another important point. And the one thing I think um, you know if you haven't tried, I would call the good folks at Northern Brewer and say, hey, you know I'm having a little difficulty here. What do you think uh, could be the possibility? You know, and those guys know those kits really good well. Point. Yeah, great customer service. They're good yeah. folks to work with. So um, you know you're 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 buying from a from a great company. So don't don't hesitate to take advantage of that and ask them. Uh, for a little bit of help. That's but, what they're there for. I, I, I would throw it to Palmer, but I think he got eaten by a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Um, <laughs> definitely check how you're measuring your your, your liquid. Uh, start with six and a half gallons. Double check your hydrometer, and you'll probably solve your problem. Yeah. All right. What do you think, Jamil? Excellent show. I think we uh, we had a bunch of good ones. What do you think, uh, Mr. Palmer? 
I think it was an excellent show as well. Yeah. And we'll do another one uh, coming up uh, real soon here. If you if you listen live, or if you'd like to listen live, just go to thebrewingnetwork.com, and there's the uh, listen live uh, thing there. If you sign up on, on Twitter or Facebook, we post that uh, you know these Brew Strong shows are happening and when, and you can listen to them while we do the shows. And there's a little chat now button. You can jump into the show and ask questions live while it's happening, give feedback on the show uh, while we do it. That's a great way to... Participate. Also, uh, check out the uh, the Brewing Network store in uh, thebrewingnetwork.com. There's a there's a link there for uh, Brew Your Own magazine. I, I write the style profile column for Brew Your Own for the past several years. And uh, if you sign up for Brew Your Own, fifty uh, percent of the uh, subscription price goes direct to the Brewing Network and really helps out. So uh, keeps programming like this on the air. So if you like it, make sure you participate in those things. Check out the books and other goodies that are in the store. Check out the other other uh, possible links. Uh, Zymergy through the AHA. You sign up for that, and the uh, Brewing Network gets a portion of that sale as well. And you go to uh, support a great organization that helps support homebrewers everywhere. All right, so another good show. Another one coming up. Till then, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everybody. <laughs>